Hello, I am Heidi and welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand, where we talk to real people and share true stories of overcoming life's challenges. We are taking life's lemons and making lemonade. Thank you for joining me. Well, Lark, welcome to Heidi's Lemonade Stand. I am so looking forward to getting to know you. So start out by telling me a couple of things about yourself. So first of all, I moved so much when I was younger, um, went to a different school every year of my life. My parents were not in the military, but uh, my dad had itchy feet. And so every year and pros and cons with that, uh, you know, the, the sad part is I don't have a lot of long-term friends. I had to make new friends every year where I'd go, but it also helped me to be very outgoing just because I had to, if I wanted to have a friend and pretty much able to interact with almost everybody. And then a very funny thing, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Elf, that happened to us just over five years ago. And for the few of you who haven't, that's basically where uh, a young man called up my husband, who's from, my husband's originally from New Orleans. And he said, I think you're my daddy. And he was, and not only was he, you know, a new young man in our life, he was married with four children. And so we were grandparents overnight. You know, a lot of times you get nine months to plan five seconds. We have embraced this family. If you met us all together, you would never know that we only met them just barely five years ago. Mm -hmm. They are so part of our family and it's kind of integral to our story because it's a tender mercy and it's a blessing in our life based on God's timing. And so mm -hmm. I just think it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I love that. I was nodding in agreement of the whole beginning part where you moving every year because it's exactly what I did. And I love it. it is one of those kind of bittersweet pros and cons, you know, it it does have its its ups and downs in doing that. So I'm just relating so well, but I definitely am not relating to the next half of your <laughs> introduction. So that's exciting <laughs> though. Instant family. So that's so fun. Yes. Well, it, you got to <laughs> you got to take me back then and tell me your lemon to lemonade story. What happened okay. to you? And uh, and I will tell you that's really exactly what it is. It's, you know, taking these these lemons and and trying to make some lemonade out of something that is actually very tragic. About this time 4 years ago in the spring of 2019, things going on with our lives, you know, our our kids are getting older. Um we had two kids at home still. The the boy, his name's Christian. He was 19. He was a freshman at the University of Utah in mechanical engineering. And then we had a daughter that was a year younger than he was. Uh, she's still at home. She was a senior in high school. And, you know, our other kids are out doing their things and moving forward. And my husband and I are, are in our careers. And I was, I had a, a couple of businesses. I was doing business consulting. If you looked at us from the outside, I would say people would think, oh, they, they've, they've kind of reached it. You know, my husband and I both have advanced degrees. We had done some great things in our lives and, and, and just, you know, the big house and all the things that you could ever want. And I will tell you that none of that matters because in March, 2019, this beautiful boy, 19 year old boy, who appeared like he had everything to live for his life and it has shattered us and we have struggled to pick up the pieces and to find answers and meaning 
so that we can just go on with our lives and, and make it day to day. And what was so difficult at the time was that my father had died by suicide five years earlier, and he had struggled with bipolar for all his life. It wasn't diagnosed until he was in his 50s. And at the time, I couldn't talk about it because as you can imagine, suicide, the stigma, you know, this, this was 2014 when my father took his life and the, just all of the shame around this topic. And so when my son took his life four years ago, I started to go into that black hole where I felt ashamed and I felt like people would judge me. Why, why didn't I know? Why didn't I see? Why this? Why did he do it? You know, all of these unanswered questions. And I started to go into that dark, dark hole where I didn't want to talk about it. And I had three moms reach out to me right within 48 hours of my son's death. And they had children who were about my son's age and who knew my son. And if you're familiar with teenage copycat suicide, the moms were so heartbroken for me, but they were also very concerned for their children because these kids had exhibited signs of, of depression and suicidal ideation. One had attempted the year earlier, one had talked about attempting, and then one of them lived on, you know, 24 hour suicide watch. And they started to talk to me. And I thought about this and I, and I realized I had a choice. And that choice was to go into a dark hole and stay home, not talk about it and just check out of life and Nobody would have blamed me. Or I could choose to start talking about this and bringing it to people's attention and letting people know that this is a real issue in our modern world. And just statistically speaking, if you haven't been affected by suicide, you will be because it's that prevalent in our society, especially these young kids who need a strong foundation who are struggling with their value and are competing with forces that in our generation, we can't even understand the pressures that they're under. And so in less than a week from my son's passing, I made a decision that I was going to talk about this. And it came with a lot of trepidation and just concern because I thought, well, people are going to judge me. They're going to think, oh, there's that woman who's son took his life and why, you know, why all these things, right? And nobody was ever like that. People were so kind. People were so understanding of my struggle and uh, so supportive. I reached out to many different resources because I, I knew there had been other people before me who had walked this path. And I wanted to know how can I get involved? What can I do? What can I a difference with this. And I started, you know, speaking up. I started posting things on Facebook. I started talking to people in the grocery store. And um, most of my family did not like the way I was handling this. They wanted me to be quiet. They didn't want me to talk about it. And yet I had to, for my healing, I had to share my son's story. And I will tell you that my relationship with my son was not one of these beautiful things where it was lovely. It was a kind where 
we argued almost every day that it was just so much tension in our lives. And I was so angry with him. And uh, I'll tell you an experience that happened three years prior to his taking his life. And I was walking down the hall one afternoon thinking about my favorite topic at the time, which was how has my son made my life more difficult? And this voice came to my head as I'm stomping down the hallway. And it said, he's not the problem you are. And then this sort of vision opened before my eyes and it was me and my son before we came to earth. And he said, mom, you're gonna have a hard time being Christ-like, but I'm going to help you. And I thought, isn't that ironic that this young man named Christian who told me he didn't believe in God was going to help me become more Christ-like. And I've thought about that over the years and I have thought because of what I have had to learn and what I have had to go through, this boy has helped me become more Christ-like because I am more apt to give grace to other people, more apt to give grace to myself, less judgmental, more loving. I would say a complete 180 from where I was before. I was very much on the business track. You know, I wanted to do all these things and I'm like, that, that doesn't matter. That doesn't even motivate me anymore. If I can just help one other parent so that they don't have to go through this, that would be the best thing I could do is to try to help others have more love in their hearts so that they can help their children. And that's been the focus for these last four years. Oh my goodness. What are you doing? What are, how are you so, helping? <laughs> so it's been a journey. And if you had told me four years ago that I would be where I am today, I would have been like, oh, that, that's, I don't see that at all. But the first thing was um, within, within a few, um, just a few weeks, I decided, okay, what can I do? How can I get my message out? And I got this prompting to be a guest on other people's podcasts, you know, like your podcast. And so within the first year, I was probably on over a hundred podcasts of just trying to reach as many people as I could. And, and during that time, I really refined my message and was able to, to find out where people were hurting and how I could help them the most. And within a um, few months of that, I had this uh, impression that I needed to write a book. I was like, wow, I don't, I don't know if I could do that. There's, like I said, this wasn't one of these beautiful stories. This was a heart-wrenching story. And it took me about a year because I would write pieces and it was very emotionally heavy and I would have to put it away for a few weeks and then I would pull it back out again and I'd, I'd work on it. And finally, you know, after it'd been nine months and I said, okay, you just got to sit down and get this done. And so I focused on it for six weeks because um, I knew the story had to be told. What was interesting as well is that um, a friend who knew me back from high school said, well, you're going to write about your childhood, right? And I said, no, I am definitely not going to write about my childhood. That was crazy. And she said, Mark, like your childhood was really crazy, like all those moves. And she said, I can remember coming to your house in high school and you were hoarding food because of the instability that I grew up with, with a father who was bipolar and who chose not always to have a, a stable job. And I thought, wow, isn't that interesting that she remembers that, but I don't. 
which tells me it was a regular occurrence. If, if you don't remember something, that's just something that, that was normal in your life, right? And so I wrote a whole chapter on growing up with, with this unstable father. And as I'm writing this, it's really helping me get clear on, because I had so much instability as a child, I went to the extreme as an adult and as a parent, and I created too much <laughs> Um, structure that was that was too difficult for my son yeah and it was rigid really, rigid yeah, and not me, yeah. yeah yeah it helped me see that as a parent what why I had done what I had done and to have compassion on myself and also to say okay maybe I can not be so rigid in the future yeah yeah that's exactly it it takes looking back at our past of why we did what we did to be able to know how we can be better in the future. And so I'm proud of you for looking back and admitting, because that's hard to yes. own that. You know, we, well, we'd like to think we have all the answers or we're oh, yeah. adult and, you know, and all this. And then looking back, it's like, you know, we're just doing the very best we can with what we know. And if we can know better, we can do better. Absolutely. Yes. And I'm relating again with you with just, uh, I had a father that died by suicide as well. And it's not something you want to relate to people about, but I'm so grateful that you're being so vulnerable and sharing that and your son. I just think that's, that's a lot. It's a lot to have to deal with. It is, you know, but I found that the more I talked about it and because I was a safe place, people started coming to me and, and sharing me that they, with me that they had either attempted or they had been thinking about it. And let me explain, these are not people that you would look at and say, oh, that person has problems. These are people, beautiful people all around us who on the outside look like they're fine, that they're doing well. And, and really they're not. And I have just learned that we need to be more in tune with everyone. Everyone needs a personal connection. I think COVID taught us this, you know, the phone is fine. Zoom is great. But without that in-person connection, we are missing out and we are going to lose our humanity if we do not foster these personal relationships. Yep. Did your son seem like he had it all? Nobody would have thought. Huh? Nobody would have thought, you know, yeah. I mean, he was at the, the mechanical engineering department at the U. He had wanted to be there since he was five. This kid was brilliant. He had hobbies, he had friends, he had things to look forward to. And it was just some things that happened all at once. You know, when you're 19, you can't always think long-term. And sometimes you think, well, there's too much pressure. I'm just not going to deal with this anymore. And so I have done a couple of things. First of all, by finding a meaning and a purpose in my life that was greater than my grief, it helped me get out of bed every day. Right? Because I know there's somebody I can touch. There's somebody whose life I can bless just by showing them and by having a connection with them. By sharing this message, I've been able to focus on what matters as a parent. I've changed my parenting. Like I said before, before my son's death, very rigid. These are the rules. And if you don't want to follow them, there's the door, right? Yeah. And I am not like that. <laughs> I just say, you know, I'm here as your guide. I'm, I'm here to help you and support you. I am not your judge. I am not your dictator. We'll make it through. I will give you suggestions. 
but in the end, it's your life and you need to walk your own path. And because I'm willing to do that with my children, I'm there's a huge weight, this burden taken off of me that I have to in some way save them or in some way, you know, make sure they they get to some prearranged point. I'm just there to love them. And and that's my job. And that's all I have to do. And sometimes that's hard, but, but that's my job. And I'll test that a little bit to make sure you're going to do it all the time. I'm like, wow. But you know, when I get that opportunity, when one of my children does something that, that before I know it would have triggered me and and I'm able to handle it and say, good for you. (laughs) I'm like, wow, I'm doing so much better because I think the way our culture handled things back generations before we would enforce compliance by the shame, by the ostracism and and making forcing compliance yep and that's that's not love it doesn't work nope it doesn't, it doesn't. work <laughs> no i love that you learned that and that you're using your voice to teach that because we as parents think it's in their best interest and that we're helping them and we'll show them the way we'll force them to yes. be this <laughs> be this This thing that yes this perfect person that we want to show to everyone that we did it and that we are good parents and that is not gonna happen no it's not it's just not not. gonna happen yeah and you know and and to look at yourself and say what are my motivations behind this is it because i want my neighbor to say oh you know look at them they have the perfect family or look at their kids or whatever it's just think about your motivations and just you just gotta let those things go because that's that's not a good foundation. Yeah. Well, and your kids are going to be motivated by this true unconditional love they feel from you mm-hmm. more than really any shame or, or guilt or, or forcing that you could do, you know, it's yeah. going to be a lot healthier, better relationship if they're doing stuff because they feel like you're equal and that you'll understand and that you'll be proud of them or relate to them or feel for them in whatever ways, whatever they're going through and not I make them feel my, worse. Yeah. I never want my children or any part, any member of my family to feel like they can't come home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You've learned that you've seen that happen in your life and yeah. Oh my goodness. So what advice do you have now? So I would say, and it's, it's so simple, but it's so profound. It all comes down to love. It really is what the Beatles say. All we need is love. And I try to remember that sometimes when my ego gets in the way and I want things a certain way or or I think it should go, you know, in this direction. I'm like, no, no, lead with love, lead with love in everything we do. It's just about love. That's all, that's all life is about, is about love. And these external things, like I mentioned, you know, at the beginning that we often put our hearts on or think I need to be at a certain point or I have to make these achievements or earn this money or live in this certain area, I can just tell you that they don't matter at all. They they are nothing when it comes down to the personal relationships that we have with our loved ones. That's what it is. Yeah. It's not hard. It's not hard, but yet it's hard. (laughs) Because we get caught up. Yep. Yep. We get distracted and we get confused and we get torn and, and looking at different things and thinking that we know better or that we could do something different and it'll be better. And it's like, no, it's, it's just love. It's just love and care and concern and grace for others, especially our own children. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I think we need more of. 
Absolutely. We can practice that. And we get to practice that every day when we raise our kids. That's right. Uh, You know, I mentioned that I I wrote a book, which I, it has been getting out in the community and circulating. And a lot of people have been suggesting it to those people who are going through a loss, whether it's by suicide or just grief or struggling parent that's struggling with a kid. I have lots of things about struggling with these kids. Right. And, um, that's beautiful because I actually had someone who who messaged me and said, because of your book, I'm still here. And when I get these messages, I think if I had chosen to check out, that person might not be here. And so it's so important to realize that, that the things that we do can have an impact on someone else down the line, who in turn can have an impact on someone else down the line. And that's why when I say we're all interconnected, we really are all interconnected. Yeah. I love that you have that actual like proof of like, if you would have checked out and missed out on the opportunity to use your voice to serve others, we don't know what could have happened. I mean, definitely, you know, there's, there's that proof there that it might've been the worst thing. And that's hard. That's hard to do. And it's hard to pull yourself out of kind of that feeling sorry and, and the grief and the shame and the guilt and all the things that came with that. That's really hard to pull yourself out of that and think beyond yourself in that moment. But by doing that, it's what has given me the strength to say, okay, I can go on. There is, there is some purpose in my life. Now I'm trying to go out and, and help, especially, you know, I get calls from, from parents who have lost their children and they are where I was four years ago, not knowing if they can even continue one more day or trying to help mothers with young kids who are in the thick of it and their days are busy and they're trying to focus and center on those things that matter most and for me to help those moms especially who have these young kids my heart just connects with these children and I think yes I'm talking to the mom but I'm helping the children yeah you are wow keep doing it. Keep using that voice to help us. We need all the tips and advice. What is one, uh, what is one thing? What's kind of your go-to? I know you said the love aspect, but is there something else that you're always are telling people something they can change or do right away? You know, I just feel like I'm trying to incorporate peace in our lives Hmm. and you can do this just through simple breathing. I try, I have alarms on my phone throughout the day and I just when the alarm goes off at certain times, I just breathe in three times, breathe in and breathe out on a count of three. And I do that for three times. And by doing that throughout the day, and then I say at the end of the breath, I say, all I need is within me now. And it allows me to disconnect from all the busyness, the rushing, and just be like, oh yeah, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. It's not about all of the deadlines or everything else everybody needs me to do. It's just, it's the present moment. That's all I have is this yeah. one moment right now. Yeah. I love that. I, I think it's great to take that moment. I even, I'll put my hand on my heart and take that deep breath. And then I choose to like savor something right in the moment. You know, I look around the room or if I'm eating or in a room or, or driving or doing something, it's like, what can I savor and just really experience right now? What can I focus on in the room or in the car and out in the landscape that it's just a miracle. It's just That's amazing. What life is all about, right? Yeah. It's just this moment. And if we don't appreciate that moment, it's gone. It's gone. Yep. It's gone. Yep. And you don't, you don't get to go back to that. So 
Just enjoy it. Take those breaths. I love that. Just take the breath and just hang on for five more minutes. Yes. Yes. Five more minutes leads to another hour and leads to another day and things change, things get better and we can improve and change as well. And just hold on, stick with it. The world needs you. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for sharing this with me. I really appreciate this. It's been a joy to meet you. Yes. And you know, I appreciate what you do because so many of us have been given lemons and it's our choice. What can we do with it? And it can impact a lot of people. Yeah. I love that you said it's a choice. It really is. We don't think it in the time, but you're proof that there is a choice. You made that decision. You stopped that day and went, okay, I can choose a different way to think and feel about this right now. And now you're impacting others. No, it wasn't easy. You know, not at all. I I made that choice and and it, it has blessed my life and it blessed other people. Absolutely. You made the right choice. That was good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And I'm glad I met you and that you're, you're sharing this because, you know, keep, keep preaching it, keep teaching it. We need, we need people to hang in there. You went through a traumatic thing that nobody would ever want to go through, but I'm just grateful of your reaction to it and what you're doing to help the rest of us because of it. So thank you. You're still here. Well then enjoy this little outtake from that interview. left early that morning for a, for a teaching event where I was the, the instructor and my husband didn't hear my son moving around and he went up and found him. My, my husband's a soldier, a hardened, battle-hardened soldier, and it broke his heart. Mm-hmm. Just broke his heart. And then I had the police officer come to where I was teaching the class and he told me at this class and he's just like, wow. No. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Even like you said, with soldiers, you know, it's still your baby to your child there. Like you're going to, it's going to break anybody to have to endure that. And we don't think of that as the person that wants to end their life. They don't take that time to think who's going to find me and how will this affect them? They're just not thinking correctly. They are. You know, I just feel like people in that state, they're at a point where they're in so much pain. Yeah. They just want the pain to stop. And they're not thinking about other people. They're not trying to make our lives difficult. Right. They're certainly not trying to make your lives difficult. In fact, they're thinking they're doing you a favor. Yeah. They really, they're like, okay, this will solve all the problems. This will make mom happy. She won't have to worry about me anymore. Yeah. That's the thinking that's there. They're really thinking. Twisted. Yeah. But but that's really in the state where they're in. They're not in their right minds. Right. Right. Exactly. So it's a really tough place to be. And so we want to try to catch people before it gets to that spiraling and just teach people to talk to someone and to change their thinking and to get some help or whatever, whatever it is, all the things. Nobody should have to endure that. We got to, it's got to stop. It's just not an option. It's got to stop. And I think by talking about it, people can say, oh, I'm not the only one. There are other people that are hurting. I'm, I can go get help. Yes. Yes. There's nothing wrong with getting help. And if that help doesn't work, get other help. Like there's other help out there too. So lots of help, uh, lots of options and 
lots of things ahead of you that you don't even know is coming into your life. And you're making this decision just based on the moment now. And it's like, no, you just have no idea how things are going to unfold to improve your life soon. So we've just got to keep holding on and staying, staying put. Yes. We need everyone to just stay put. Agreed. Yeah. The police, the police told us about our dad too. So I just, yeah. Oh yeah. With my dad, it wasn't too much of a shock because, because I always knew he was going to die by suicide. You know, he talked about it for years, Wow. but you know, when it eventually happens, it's still shocked. Yeah. Yeah. He was hurting for a long time. No, ours was a complete shock. We were yeah. had no idea no idea. So, and then you look at that and think, you know, all the why questions, you know, like, why didn't I see, why didn't he say, why, why, why? And you're like, oh my gosh. And, and I, and I will just tell you this. Um, I've had several interactions with my son since he died and our relationship is beautiful. Now we, neither one of us are the same person from the day he died. Uh, About two years ago, I was sitting there very distraught, kind of down, and thinking, oh, son, you made certain decisions that, well, I don't feel like they're damned. I feel like they, they kind of limited their eternal progression. And his voice came to me clear as day. And he was so upset with me. He said, mom, this did not limit my eternal progression. And I'm like, well, that's something I never considered. So I know that's not me talking because I didn't even know that was an option. So, all right, son, <laughs> good for you. Yeah. But we, we, we can't limit God. I have enjoyed spending this time with you. You might have a friend struggling with the same thing that we talked about in this episode that might enjoy listening to this too. So please share this episode because no one is alone at the lemonade stand.